Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to my friend, Mickey Boardman, who I knew just from having dinners, seeing him at parties, but I didn't really know the real Mickey Boardman. If you don't know the name Mickey Boardman, you will, but he is the guy who's responsible for the picture of Kim Kardashian on the cover of Paper Magazine that actually broke the internet. He has seen it all, he has done it all, and he's, you know, a guy who's been through a lot personally. And I was really happy to see that he's on a very positive path personally. He writes a great column in Paper Magazine based on body positivity. So I can't wait for you to hear the conversation that we had. Here's my conversation with Mickey Boardman. You're from Hanover Park, Illinois. I am. I'm from Wilmette, Illinois. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Where, where is Hanover Park? It's next to Schaumburg and okay. Hoffman Estates. And, okay. You know, yeah. I didn't. No wonder. Yeah. No wonder you're such a nice, normal guy. Well, I guess. Well, Don't there's nothing that's normal. That's why we're so nice. No. I, no, I'm pretty normal. Yeah. I'm a freak, but I'm pretty normal. I'm okay. Here. Well, I guess I'm normal or I'm a freak, too, depending yeah. who says it. I think but, you are. But I think being from the Midwest, you know, you, you don't have a choice. You just I have agree. to- you know, I have these friends who grew up in New York City, and or if I have friends who have kids now who are growing up in New York City, and I always feel like I'm so happy that I grew up in a place where, you know, we ate McDonald's, we shopped at JCPenney until my, uh-huh. I bamboozled my mother into getting, taking us to Marshall Field. Ooh. And, um, you know, because then now I'm so thrilled, and I'm thrilled to be here in uh. Hudson Yards with you, a famous legendary makeup artist, just chatting about Will Matt and Hanover Park. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I The bar is so low and for excitement for me, I'm thrilled about that. <laughs> and I don't know if I had grown up in New York City surrounded by famous people and glamour and all that stuff, if it would feel so special. Maybe it would because I'm also a Libra. I'm also a cockeyed optimist. I'm, you know, although I have dark moments, I'm usually super happy and super optimistic. And But I'm happy to be where we're from. Yeah. So tell me what it was like growing up in, in well. Like what kind of family, kids? The my whole dad thing. was a pharmacist. My mother was a housewife, and her only goal ever was to get married and have kids, so, okay. which I don't understand at all. But she did it, and she good did. for her. And um, how many kids? Two. She had me when she was. Tw- she got married and had my brother at nineteen, and had me when she was twenty. So she wow. was married with two kids and couldn't drink legally. So ah, think about that for wow. a minute. And um, but it was amazing. And my parent, my whole family, everyone's very smart and very funny and all addicts, of course, you know, my mother's not a drug addict or alcoholic. She's a shopaholic and a food addict, but um, everybody else like addicts. And the funny thing was nobody in my neighborhood or nobody I knew really had any kind of creative profession. Everybody either worked in an office or my dad, like I said, my dad was a pharmacist. Nobody did anything remotely like what I do today. Mm-hmm. So I kind of never thought that was even a possibility. Just very middle class. Yeah, totally. You know, Ozzie and Harriet. Totally. Mom and dad, school. Two cars and a dog, right. school. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, and it was at that time, I'm 52, so it was, you know, nobody was openly gay. It was, we've come such a long way. I mean, there we still have a long way to go in the world, but we've, things have come such a long way in the terms of that. So, you know, I had a fun, happy life in many ways, but it was... Um, not my. They're not my people. I right. mean, they are my yeah. people because that's where I come from. But they're not. We were. We were. To, I just felt like I was a total freak. Like I didn't get it at all. And it wasn't until I, during college, I went to Purdue. Wait, go back to high school because okay, what were you like in high school? What was Mickey? You know, Gordon very like gay and fun. You know, I and I had this weird str- existence because on the one hand, being gay and did you and, and you knew boy, you were gay a hundred percent, and everyone knew you were gay. Your parents. I mean. Yes, but then they were shocked when they caught right. me in bed with a man. Right. You know what I mean? So but, there um, wasn't a discussion where you came home and said, Mom and Dad, sit down. No. I, there was yeah. more of a, like, I had a friend sleep over who people knew was gay. We slept in the same bed. They freaked out, Went took me right to the psychiatrist, and, you know, drama, drama, drama. It didn't help. No. Well, no. it did help, but it yeah. didn't change I mean, you. you know, and yeah. they're great about it now, but that's yeah. just kind of was how they were at the time. Right. And, you know, so I was, you know, I loved clothes. I was obviously gay to everybody. 
And I weirdly was very popular with like the cheerleaders and all the, all my friends were girls. But then my brother, who was less than a year older than me, was like a star athlete. And so I sort of, because of him, knew all his friends. So sort of on the one hand, while I did get teased and things were t hard to, it was hard to be gay, I also kind of had a little bit more of a sheltered existence than some kids because I would, you know, when you get to know somebody, getting to know the quarterback and the homecoming king, like we became friends because we had fun together and they didn't care on a certain level that I was gay. I'm sure they thought it was, you know, an aberration or something Well, like Well, my that. boyfriend that I dated five years in mm -hmm. high school, um, he turned gay. Mm -hmm. Him and I fell in love with the same boy. Oh. And I got the boy because the boy wasn't gay. But, well, there um, you go. But that was, you know, I can imagine dating someone five years and I guess he didn't know. Yeah. I mean, he might have known. Yeah, but. or Yeah, you know, I think... Who knows? It's po anything is possible. I mean, it's possible you don't know, but I think on some level you know because you have a biological reaction to things, but you fight it and try to, you know, live a normal life, finger quotation marks. So on that level, high school was, you know, I think high school is traumatic for anybody. And I always say, you know, there were two things I thought my entire life was ruined because one, because I was gay especially in that time, and two, because I was fat. And I wasn't even fat, is the, which the irony of the whole situation. And the, the second irony is that nobody really cared. Like, you know, when we're young, we think, oh, my God, everybody thinks I'm not or I'm not pretty enough or my boobs are too big or they're too small or this is wrong with me. And really, nobody cares. I mean, and, you know, well, people— Well, everyone cares about themselves. Everyone obsesses yeah, about that. Absolutely. Own. And, you know, if someone gets teased, like I got teased about being gay, and it's like the guys who teased me about being gay, they didn't really care that I was gay. They kind of just— everyone's kind of jockeying for position and teases each other to get a laugh or to kind of make themselves seem cooler or something like that. So in the end, you know, here I thought my whole life was ruined, doubly ruined. And I was the only, I was the only one who thought that, you know Did, what I mean? Have so, you gone back to any of your reunions? You know, I haven't gone to the official reunions. I would have, but like, you know, I had three, you know, the mm -hmm. 10, 20 and 30. And the last one was the same weekend as a big... Where this was during Fashion Week, I think, or something. So how could I miss Fashion Week? And then the one before that was the same weekend as a good friend got married in uh, Spain. So uh, I went to that. But, I went to my thirtieth, and I uh, brought the Today Show. I was amazing. such an idiot, such an idiot. <laughs> I did. Okay, I'll, if I can ever bring a TV <laughs> yes. show up with me, I'll go. Oh no, it was really funny. And that was the first, had you kept in touch with anybody from high school? Not really, but but the people that I did kind of hang with, we were this. Everyone was the same. Yeah, my gay friend was the biggest biggest like they're gonna get mad at you why aren't you like here we are you know 30 40 years old and it, we were we went back to the same rules yeah 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 it's, it's kind funny. of funny but very cathartic yeah and i you know i didn't really keep i kept in touch with one person basically but then because of facebook i mean facebook is evil on many levels but i the one thing that i love about it is it does keep me in touch with people i grew up with and the funny thing too is you know since i when i started doing appearing on TV or things like, a, you know, on such glamorous things as VH1's Fabulous Life, talking about Britney Spears' hot tubs, I would get <laughs> messages from people I went to grammar school with or high school with saying, oh my God, you're doing so great. And it's like, I'm on TV, not getting paid, talking about Britney Spears' oh, hot tub. Oh, come on, though. And I'm still. a drug addict, but like you think I'm doing great because I'm on TV, which Lord love them, God bless America. That's how things work. And um, anyway, so it was sort of funny and I sort of at a certain point in your life, I think you just realize, look, these people are part of your history. Right. And yeah, and you're allowed you to, to be different. Them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's not just, by the way, they have to deal with you being different. you got to deal with them being totally. different. Totally. Yeah, so, we're, so college then. Yeah, but I remember, it's funny, I had a realization I had at one point in my life, probably just walking down the street, was I'd always kind of thought like I got delivered to the wrong family because, you know, I love to travel. Everything I love, the rest of my family's not that interested in. Right. Actually, although it turned out my dad really loves to travel also, but my mother hates it, so he they never went anywhere. So I thought, oh, they don't like to travel. It turns out he always wanted to, but my mother didn't like it, so he didn't. So then he and I started traveling the world together, which it was great. But I sort of, like I said, I always thought, oh, God, gosh, I got delivered to the wrong family. And then I thought, and I stopped myself and I thought, God, if I thought I got delivered to the wrong family, what must they think? <laughs> I'm named after Mickey Mantle, the baseball player. Uh, and I'm, you know, yeah. the gayest, I'm like a Broadway queen. And it's, so it's like, imagine my father thinking, oh, here's this kid. I'm going to name him <laughs> after my favorite baseball player. And you know what? It's, you just kind of, you get what you need, not what you expect on a certain level. And so. have you ever had that discussion with him? Dad, you know, did I disappoint? Like any of no. that stuff or no? Um, not in so many words. I mean, he is great. And, you know, he came around at first. He was not enthusiastic about the, right. the gay situation, which but, you know, he he's from Anderson, Indiana and was born right. in World War Two. So it's not that shocking for him to, to feel that way. But um, 
Yeah, well, you know, you just we just accept each other and we have a good time, and you know, we've been through a lot together, everyone being addicts and whatnot, and um, so you just learn who gives a sh- shit on a certain level. And then talk to me about college. Yeah. What did you study? So I st- have a BA in Spanish, and I went to my dad had gone to Purdue. My brother was going there, and they kind of I sort of for some reason I never was one who was like I got to get to New York. New York is the place for me. But I was obsessed with Pepperdine University in Malibu because I had seen it on TV or something. And I thought Malibu that sounds so glamorous, <laughs> and my parents said. Um, you can't go to Malibu because you, we need you to, to go. You can. We want you to go away, but you can't go too far. You know what I mean? You have to kind of because I was a bit of a nut and I, you know, had some some behavioral issues. So they sort of wanted me to be close enough that they could pick me up in a car if needed. Um, <laughs> so just a few hours away. So anyway, so I went there, and again, they weren't really my people. I do appreciate it, but it wasn't until I did my junior year in Spain in Madrid that I just finally I was, was with people, and I always was there were fun, cool people around me, don't get me wrong, but really we didn't have that sort of soul bond that with your, you know, your lifelong friends that you have. And um, so in, in Spain, I was just like, wow, look at these people are amazing. I wish I could be friends with people like this. And then those are like my oldest friends from there. So, I mean, and, and being in Europe and being, just seeing other, other cultures, I mean, and, you know, being able to, we t- traveled all the time to other countries in Europe. It's the first time I went to Paris and Rome and and things, and <clears throat> I really loved it. But So then I graduated a semester early and went and lived with my parents, who in the meantime, when I was in Spain, moved without telling me. They said they were going on vacation. <laughs> and my mother claims this did not happen, but I swear it, it happened. And I laugh about it now, but they, my mother said, oh, we're going to Florida because they had we had a little condo where we'd go on vacation. And my dad always wanted to move to Florida, and I don't blame him. He you know, had to drive an hour every day in traffic for work. And it was like the high, you know, ran the pharmacy at this big hospital that was torture. And anyway, so he, my mother in a weak moment agreed to move while I was in Spain. And they said, my mom said, you know, we're going on vacation. So after like a month when they were gone, I finally called them in Florida and said, you know, you've been gone for so long. When are you getting back? My mom said, I didn't want to tell you because I thought you'd be upset, but we moved. <laughs> and uh, mom, where's my shit? No. And where's I my said, stuff? Well, they kept the house for like a year oh. or two, but still. But I said, you thought this was a more sensitive way to handle it, <laughs> like for me to find out accidentally. Mm. And um, so anyway, so I moved to Daytona Beach with them and worked at Hawaiian Tropic Suntan Lotion Factory on the oh, night shift. Oh, cool. That must have smelled so good. Oh, it. you know, well, I it did for the three days I worked I, it, cleaning out like vats of aloe vera, but then oh. I... They moved me to the night shift in the bottling department, which uh-huh. was um, didn't smell so good, but whatever. Really, I would think that would smell good too. No, I mean if you like burnt plastics. No. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. And um, then did a German intensive thing in Middlebury, Vermont, and with the intention of moving to Germany, but ended up going to Spain to work for a little while teaching English, and ended up staying the whole year, and then summer in Germany and came back. And it was then that I decided oh, I want to be a fashion designer. Like I love fashion. I'm going to move to New York and go to Parsons. So I did that and shortly after realized I can't sew for shit and like I'm a bit of a disaster. But I went for three and a half years to get a BFA and I got failed a class my senior year and so never finished. <gasps> whoa, and, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. How much how many credits do you have left? Very few. They t- they've <sighs> talked about giving me an honorary degree, which they yes. should. But, yes, um, you should follow up on that. Yeah, I will. I, I oh, come I'll on. send an email as soon yeah. as I can. Because since then, I've helped like be a judge to pick the designer of the year, right. and I've spoken at the graduation, I, whatever. They love me, and I love oh, them. It's okay, all fine. Good. It's all meant to be. Wow. And I, in the meantime, had been in, was an intern at Paper, which was mm-hmm. my favorite magazine. And okay. again, as I said, I never knew anyone. Who, I never thought, oh, you could have a job in a magazine. I didn't know. You know so um, so that was your was first a total, into the magazine Total world. accident, okay. yeah. I had a woman I met in Madrid, an American woman, Alex Kuczynski, whose mm-hmm. father was actually just the president of Peru, who's in the hospital now and is a big drama, Lord Lover. Um, her best friend in New York was the managing editor of paper, Wendy Gabriel. And I met her socially and I just said, God, you know, I've always loved magazines my whole life. I remember standing at Dominic's supermarket in Hanover <laughs> Park at the Tradewinds Mall, standing in front of the Vogues that it was either um, Isabella Rossellini or Sherry Belafonte right. on the cover each month in like a chunky turtleneck in the Grace Mirabella wow. days. And I just remember thinking like, what is a good excuse and for- And Ariella doing the makeup. Totally. I wonder whatever happened to her. What? Yeah. Let's, if you're out there, Ariella, give us yeah. a call and come on the podcast. <laughs> and thinking like, what's a good excuse for a 10-year-old boy to buy Vogue magazine? And I can't remember what it was, but I got it. And, you know, so I would get that every month. And so- 
I said to Wendy, got it. You're so lucky. It would be so fun to work at paper because paper was literally my favorite magazine. I would mm. stalk the newsstand. Like the minute I got the new issue, I'd go back the next day and be like, when's the next issue coming? And they're, you know, so double issues of summer and winter were like hard for me because then you had to wait even longer. And so anyway, she said, why don't you come be an intern? And I was like, oh, okay. So I went in and they hired me. And, um, you know, I would have the most amazing experience there. They loved me. I dressed like a freak. They loved everything about me. They loved and appreciated. Whereas at Parsons, everything about me they thought was wrong. And at the time, Parsons mm. has changed and it's wonderful. And uh, so, you know, it's, you know, here. And I remember they, Wendy, the managing editor, asked me to do an interview with Vanessa Paradis, who, you know, was married to Johnny Depp, but no longer who I was obsessed with. And I was like, but I'm not a writer. I don't know how to do, I don't have a tape recorder. I don't know how to do an interview. And Kim Hastrider, who started Papers, always said, if you could talk, you can write. And I can certainly talk. Is she still there, Kim? She's not. She sold it a year she and a half did. ago. Okay. Lord love her. But um, I just spent the weekend with her in San Francisco and it was fabulous. Um, but so I said no. And they kept trying to make me do it. And I said no. And I worship Vanessa Parties, And there's nobody better than me to interview her and Vanessa Parties. But I, you know, said, no, we're always kind of like argue, talking people out of making our dreams come true. And it's like they're literally bringing me this yeah. something that I would love to do. Anyway, I didn't do it. So then like a month later, they needed someone to interview Rupert Everett, the actor, who I was also obsessed with. And I was always a pop culture addict. You know, right. I always like was obsessed with what movies were coming out or what celebrity children, just anything sort of pop culture, um, like rabidly obsessed. And... So again, they wanted me to interview him because he had written a novel called Hello, Darling, Are You Working? And again, I was like, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. I kept arguing and she wouldn't take no for an answer, Wendy, the managing editor. And so she finally said, listen, imagine, pretend you've already done the interview and sit down and write the first paragraph of the story. We'll look at it together. And if I say it's good, you have to do the interview. I'm not going to let you say no. So I said, okay. So I wrote the first paragraph, mm. kind of all about myself, just whatever, just sort of the way I talk. And she said, this is fabulous. You have to do it. So I skipped a morning class, my studio class at Parsons, the class I eventually failed, and met Rupert Everett on the roof of the Peninsula Hotel in 1992. He was in a mesh tank top and a swimsuit. And we just, and he was at the peak of his gorgeousness, hilarious, so smart. And what we were you did, wearing? I w can't remember what I was wearing, mm -hmm. probably some clown suit or whatever, you know <laughs> what I mean? But, um, uh, and, you know, I think at one point he even took off his tank up and we just talked about jock straps and stupidity, like things that were like a boy from Hanover Park who'd never seen anybody famous in his life's dream to sit with a famous hot gay, like talking about this stuff. And I wrote my little couple hundred word story and got paid $35 and they loved it. And I was like, you know, here I am at school where whatever I do, they think is rid like the devil. They really thought I, because I did the, everything I did and I don't blame them. They were right in a way to think it was wrong. It was just editorial. It was not about the clothes at all. Like I did this, you know, the Supremes go to Shanghai story that was all kind of like black models with blonde wigs and gold and silver lame, Chong Sam. So you cool. couldn't do it today because of cultural appropriation. But, you know, I did a whole Las Vegas thing with girls on swings and they didn't even really have clothes. They just had on like pantyhose. You know what I mean? So but or here I was, you know, doing something that I thought was completely amazing. So I had absolutely was a total accident that I fell into my dream job. It it. it, it I remember I also interviewed to be an intern at Francesco Scavulo's photo mm. studio and they didn't, they were like outraged I even applied because I wasn't <laughs> even a photography student or anything. And they were like, why are you even here? And I said, I don't know. I just, he's famous and it sounds like a fun, interesting thing. And I, what I, you know, I can get coffee for you just as easily as I could get coffee for somebody else. Anyway, and we ended up working with Francesco Scavulo later, but yeah. that's it. It's all like it was an accident for me. So, how and then I failed the class and okay. the same, that was like Christmas Eve and then New Year's Day, the woman who had hired me, who ran the office, was the assistant to the publishers, photo editor, wrote the club column, did all these things, woke up on, did, and was like, I can't do it anymore after six years and she quit. So they asked me, can you just answer the phones for a couple of weeks till we figure out what to do? And that was 27 years ago. And what was your first, what was your next job there? receptionist receptionist basically okay. but also receptionist and assistant to the two publishers but but i tell if there's any kids listening like if you are lucky enough to get a receptionist job uh, in a company that you like like everyone turns their nose up you're so wise and it's really hilarious because we have a new receptionist slash office manager hermethia is her name she's a capricorn she's out there listening and i'm obsessed with her like and she is 
she gives me such memories of myself when I was a receptionist. I was, it was, I've never been so happy and proud of a job as I was of being a receptionist. And she has like a fabulous candy dish, which is a Weight Watchers <laughs> issue for me. But uh-huh. like I had a candy dish and, you know, I just, I clean my desk every day. And I just was, I, I just was so thrilled to be anywhere at a place that I really felt like was an important, fun place to be. And it really is the best job. And I've talked before about starting a, um, support group of like former receptionists because like Bevy Smith who's on page six TV she got her start uh-huh. as receptionist a lot of people do and it's just the most you see every everything kind of passes through you in a way so you really learn a lot and it, it's it's really fascinating and really fabulous and I think remember people who were v- big important boobahs who would call on the phone and liked me because I was nice or would yeah. help them with whatever and you know it's 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 and I remember people who were assholes right exactly to this day of and course. I'm coming for you bitches <laughs> no, no you don't even have to pay attention <laughs> to them we had a guy named John Eaton that I don't know I think you might mm. have known but he was our receptionist mm. and all of a sudden he started helping can I help and he started tying these bows and he tied bows like no one else yeah and all, by the time he left the the brand he was the head of like all events all creative yeah. things and he was a receptionist. Yeah. So I tell kids to do that all the time. And it's the most, the hardest thing in the world is to get anywhere and get to get inside your dream place. And whether that's if you're obsessed with shoes and it's Manila Blahnik, if you're obsessed, obsessed with movies and you want to work at Paramount, it's just getting in the door. And I mean, that the b- way to get in the door is to be the receptionist or work in the mailroom or one of those kinds of things. And it's like once that's done, the road to paradise is is right in front of you. You just have to work hard and and make things happen. So yeah, it's, and it's, it's not always easy getting the receptionist jobs it's either. It's not. It's not. So yeah. So when now now I don't want to like jump right to the Kim Kardashian, but you okay. were the guy that somehow put Kim Kardashian on the cover of Paper Magazine and broke the internet. Well, there were multiple people involved, but we. Drew Elliott, who's the current editor-in-chief and also bought paper, who started as an intern and was my assistant for a moment um, and now is my boss, So, which is funny. So you never know who's going to end up owning you and up being your boss. But I'm thrilled. So He's a Taurus. you got to be nice to everybody. Yeah, it's true. He's a Taurus, who's a, which are great Tauruses are great leaders. And it was his birthday over the weekend. But he... Um, he, it was our 30th anniversary at paper, and I'd been there 20-some years. And Kim and David, who founded paper... Kind of, you know, had been there for 30 years. We were ready for a little bit of a change. And we were thinking, how are we going to celebrate the 30th anniversary? And Drew had been there for like 15 years and left to go to L.A. to work at a social media company called The Audience that did social media for President Obama and a lot Mm. of celebrities. So he was a genius about digital stuff. And we were saying, what can we do for the 30th anniversary? Let's we should do clothing and we should do special live events and all this kind of stuff. And we thought, well, somebody should be in charge of it because it's so easy. Like you make talk about all this stuff and then you're so busy with your daily life, you don't really have time to work on it. So I said, well, why don't we talk to Drew? He Nobody knows the brand better than he does. And I know he wants to move back to New York from LA and he, you know, he maybe he'd want to work on it. So we mentioned it to him and he said, I would love to do that, but I actually want to just come back and take over everything and like redo the magazine, give it a redesign, do all this kind of stuff. So Kim and David became partners with him and he was just he remade the magazine into what it is now and we planned our first the 30th anniversary issue originally we planned it and then we did a presentation to Kim saying this is what we want to do and that had Kim Kardashian on the cover and we had shot Kim and Chloe inside before and it did really well and we're huge fans of the Kardashians and um so anyway, so Kim loved everything that we had planned, but she said we can't have Kim Kardashian on the cover for our 30th anniversary issue, even though she loves Kim Kardashian. But she just said it's the 30th anniversary is kind of a celebration of where we've been, and she's it's she's our future, not our past, in a way. So then we went out. We'd already asked Kim, and she said yes. We'd already asked John Paul Good, and he had said yes. So we were like, oh, what are we going to Again, being from Hanover yeah. Park, Illinois, I was like, we're do- we, have- we told her we're doing her, and yeah. we have to do her. So we went outside, and... Drew smoked at the time since he's quit, which I'm glad. And um, was you know we we're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he said, you know, if we have Kim Kardashian on the cover, it will break the internet. Like he and I said, break the internet. That's such a funny name. Like, what if we just do a different issue and like literally we just say, look, we're going to break the internet because that's what everybody really wants to do anyway. But everybody acts like that's not what they now they everybody is not is shameless about it. But at that point, people were pretending to be serious journalists and. So we went back into Kim and said, hey, well, what if we do this, a different issue, like for, do her for the issue after September, the anniversary, and we do break in. And she's like, that's brilliant. It's like an art thing. And so we did it and it happened. And how did it break the internet? 
it just, I mean, it created this huge amount of traffic and literally we had, you know, gotten extra servers or extra bandwidth, you know, in advance to make sure that we didn't crash, but like page, but, um, at page six is crashed cause they came out, they did a exclusive preview when we first did it. And, um, yeah, it just created, it was sort of the first in a way, giant viral hysterical, hysterical sensation. So what's it like shooting with Kim Kardashian? She is a Libra like myself, and she's amazing. I've never worked with anyone who's more professional, more easy to get along with, who's committed to doing something outrageous that will really, that will break the internet. You know what I mean? Because often, as I'm sure you know, having worked with many celebrities, often celebrities are so nervous about doing anything different or something that um, deviates from their image that it's not that fun. And you know what I mean? Nobody needs a sort of pretty headshot of Kim Kardashian. They, you need something that's wild and crazy. And, and how many people does she arrive at a shoot with? She really came by herself, except for mm. her one security person. And it was in, we shot it in Paris. And she was, we, the studio was, uh, it was far from the center of Paris, which I didn't realize how far it was until we got there. And she came like, I think two minutes late or something. And but texted before saying, I'm sorry, we're stuck in traffic. And when she came and she said, I'm so sorry, I'm late. And again, she was two minutes late. And I'm used to celebrities coming three out when they're right. three hours late, then I worry. Like right. now we're in trouble if they're more than three hours late. But and she just said, So, you know, what are we doing? I, I let's make this amazing. If I'll, I'm here, um, you know, if I have to stay all night, like whatever, let's really do it. And that we were like, Hell, this is a dream. It was one of the smoothest, easiest, fun shoots I've ever worked and on. And did you stay all night? We didn't because, you know, we did it at a normal time. You know what I mean? There have been shoots I've stayed all night on for good reasons and bad reasons. But this, you know, I mean, I think we started at 10 or 11 in the morning and we were done pretty quickly. So, no, you know. And did she come with hair and makeup ready or she did it all when she got there? No, we did it there. You did. Mar makeup by Mario did her makeup, who worked with her a lot. And then Laurent Philippon, who was a hairstylist who had not worked with her before, right. did her hair. Okay. Well, that's like a not the story I expect. Yeah, I w you know it's there are some people who you kind of wish or you hope will be lunatics because you just are ready for it. Like when, like who's a lunatic? Um. Well, like when we shot Lindsay Lohan, Mariah Carey, and Prince, all three of those, I was thinking like, God, I hope they have crazy stories. Right. But they were all like, Lindsay was on time, night cooperative, would do anything. Like there, no drama, no ugliness. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I can't really say no, who, you are, can't who say are the it, nightmares, but, but I mean. Had. But the thing is also, for me, as long as the pictures come out great, I don't care if it's if it's a bumpy road to paradise. You know what I mean? It's the worst is when the pictures are bad. You know, so even if, and that can happen if somebody's nice even still. So it's like, um, it's all about what you come out with in the end. And, you know, but for the most part. And, you know, especially now, people know that we're known for doing unusual right. things or trying uh -huh. to do make do things people haven't done before. So the people who, by the time they agree to do a shoot with us, they know that that's what we want to do. And they often come to us saying, we really want to do something out there and let's do something together. So what'd you do with Nicki Minaj? Nicki Minaj is one of my favorite things ever. It was Minaj a trois. Mm -hmm. And I think I maybe thought of the name Minaj a trois. But said something like, oh, well, we should do Nikki with two hot guys or whatever. And it was Drew, again, our, our editor-in-chief, who said, no, 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 no. She has to be in a menage a trois with herself. So it's three Nikki's. Uh -huh. And she, I have to say, she is amazing. Like, she got it immediately. She was like, I love it. That's a great idea. And most people you would say that to, and they would say, no way. Right. You know, we're not doing anything that scandalous. And... It was a very long, difficult shoot because you had to shoot her as it was basically three shoots, and each setup had the three different Nikki's, as, you know, as three different characters. So you had to get the whole thing done in order for it to even make any sense. So, um, but and she, yeah, she wanted to push it even further. Like when we sort of came with sort of drawings of things, she was like, "We really got to do it. We really got to do it." And Ellen Von Unworth shot it, and she was amazing. And yeah, it was a real. It was a marathon, but it, it's one of my, my favorite shoots mm. that we've ever done. Who haven't you shot that you're dying to shoot? Well, my personally, it's, you know, the people that I personally love are not necessarily anybody that we, you know, would put our on a fans cover. Not necessarily, because, yeah, I love, like, I'd want to do the Queen of England, or I'd oh, want to do, too. yeah, you know, or, you know, to me, the celebrities that I get most excited about are people like, 
Long Island medium Teresa Caputo. You know, like either, I'm sure you've met her. Yeah, we did a shoot with her, okay. and it was like a dream come yeah. true. Yeah, or she like came to my office once. Isn't she amazing? Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. Or like Marie Osmond, someone who was famous when I was a kid, or something yeah. like that. But mm. people who we haven't shot, who I'd let, we haven't done Lady Gaga, who I think is incredible. Mm. We haven't yeah. done Madonna, who I think who's a legend. Um, we, we've done Kylie Minogue, who I love. Miley Cyrus, I love. Um, yeah, you know, I think. We we've done most of the big ones that I that I really love, but um. So what's your what's your current title at the paper? editorial director? Editorial director. Yeah. But when paper got bought about a year, uh, it'll be two years in November. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time, we hired a full time fashion director because I really did mostly fashion was one of my big things and went to Paris and London for shows and stuff. So now we have an amazing fashion director, Mia, Mm -hmm. and we have a full-time art director, which we didn't before. So we've hired a lot more people. So sort of what I'm doing is changing. And so my three pillars now of the thing that I focus on, one is body positivity. And I do this column fat and all that, which I love. Right. Which we're going to talk about in a second. Which is amazing. And then also I do India related stuff because as you know, where I love India and also Royal stuff Mm. so like because i'm obsessed with royal history current royals especially young Mm -hmm. young royals i'm obsessed with i got to meet the royal families of india when i was there that's incredible except i felt like i was in a disney movie like right i know right whole outfits on and yeah yeah, it's incredible it was was quite something i love it we shot the um maharaja of jaipur pacha who's a polo player who's now i think he's either 22 or still 21 and he's amazing and we were doing some other things with um indian royals i just it's uh, the the history and the fantasy and ways it's most fascinating to me when it's made modern when it's like a young person who's who's taking the the family history into the future that I think mm-hmm. is particularly interesting. Well, let's just break away from your professional for mm-hmm. a minute and talk about like you the person. Me the person. Because you're you're Who you're, am I anyway? No, well, okay. Am no. I my resume? <laughs> Have you been on the on the stage? No, I can't really sing at all. But, you can. Um, thank you. You it's can. It's my dream to sing. And actually, somebody really? wrote to me on Instagram and said, I'm a vocal coach from Scotland huh. and would love to. I He's seen these kind of fitness and body positivity posts I've been doing and saying, I really love what you've been posting. I'd love to give you a voice lesson. Would you be interested? And I said, it's literally the dream of my life to be okay. able to sing. Okay. And um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I, you know, who knows? You have a good voice. Well, thank you. I just yeah. don't know what I'm doing, but I, uh, I've always been told I have a bad voice, and I've always felt like I've had a bad. But voice. But your entire life has been about not knowing what you're doing, but just doing true. it anyway. True. True. So yes, thank you. And I have a bad voice, and I know that for a fact because my music teacher asked me to mouth the words during. Me too. During really? Oklahoma in high school. <gasps> In front of the entire cast. Yeah, m- me too. And I was front row center, I thought, because I was the best. No, I was just the shortest. Oh. But yes. But, um, yeah. but look at us now. Look exactly. at Mrs. Wandra. Look at me now <laughs> to, telling me to lip it. Exactly. Mm. So personally, I mean, you've mentioned the word addict five times yeah. since we've started talking. I did never. I n- never knew that side of you. Mm-hmm. I've always met you at these parties, mm-hmm. and I think we had dinner once with my husband and Zang Toy. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. like just random, yeah. random things, yeah. you know. Which is what I love most about my life. These Me random too. things. And then I saw, you know, we talked when I was in India. When you were no, you were in India. I was going, mm-hmm. and then you posted this picture of you, very skinny. Yeah, I didn't even recognize the person, and you talked about this addiction that you had. Yeah. Can you just talk about it? Sure. I wouldn't have brought it up, but you posted it. No, I love it. I love to talk about it. And it's fine. I was, he- I've been, at certain points I've been hesitant, not because of, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I have this weird thing where I love talking about the most dark or most intimate things about my life with anybody. Or if I'm on, on stage or on a panel discussion, that's, I can tell a group of 500 people it's the stuff I don't want to tell my closest friends. And I just think that it's, again, I always attribute it to being older, but you just get to a point in your life where you're like, this is what it, this is what it is. Like, there's no reason to hide it. There's no reason to beat around the bush. And so I always have had an incredibly addictive personality. Who knows why, whether it's food or drugs or alcohol or shopping, I'm, I either want to do it until I drop right. or not at all. Right. You know, well, I mean, there's no middle of the all road. Or nothing yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very all or nothing. And, so when I came to New, I you know I drank too much in high school and college, of course, and then when I came to New York, I you you know I experimented with drugs more. I had sort of throughout the years as well, but really got serious about it. And but first, it was popular back then. It was it was the norm. It was it, it was, was the it norm. was the nightlife. And, yeah, yeah. And I would go. I went out every night, you know, mm-hmm. and 
became a crystal meth addict. And the thing that was amazing about that was it made you so skinny. I mean, I would yeah. be up for six days, not eat for six mm-hmm. days and, you know, lost, you know. And again, I wasn't even, that. I was not that I was so heavy, but I mean, I would lose 25 pounds and I would look like I did in that picture, like gaunt and crazy. And to me, that was always like the ultimate compliment if someone would think like, oh, is Mickey on drugs? Look, he's so skinny. It's like, that's, <laughs> I just want to be so skinny. People mm-hmm. think I'm dying or on drugs. And um, so- yeah, so I was. And, um, you know, and I, but I also, I like to be on drugs at work. I like to be on drugs. At the more inappropriate the place was for drug taking, that's the, you know, I, that's where I wanted to be on drugs. And then I became a heroin addict, which I wasn't as into, but that was easier to get at the time. And I just, again, wanted to be on, be on drugs. And eventually it just was not fun. And, you know, which always happens. You're sort of always chasing that initial, you know, the first time you take crystal meth, you like, clean your whole house, re-alphabetize all your royalty books, put on a fun outfit, <laughs> do put, you know, it, it's just, it, and, you know, I'm borderline um, ADD anyway, and crystal meth, it's like giving a kid with ADD Ritalin. It really kind of made me focused in an amazing way. And, but then after, like, when I was 30, my boss, Kim, at the time took me to lunch and said, we know you're a drug addict. You either have to go to rehab or leave. You, you know, you, we want you to stay, but if you want to stay, you have to go to rehab. So I went, and I, my heart kind of wasn't in it. And then I relapsed and ended up getting fired for three months. And then, so I went to rehab again on my own and really quit that time. Because by that point, it just wasn't fun anymore. It just was like, you know not good. And being a drug addict is really a full-time job. And I have to say I was the best drug addict I knew. I mean, I was so committed to it. I mean, that came first above anything. And, you know, it's, it had run its course. And so I was, I'm getting sober was the best thing I've ever done. And if I hadn't been a drug addict, I couldn't have gotten sober. And, you know, so you don't drink alcohol and you don't drink coffee. You already said I, the three addictions that have never touched me, the only three are cigarettes, coffee, and gambling. I, they disgust me in every way. Everything else I can, I am, can be an addict of. But, um, you know, and getting sober, I sort of peeling back the layers of things. One of the big, you know, the thing in the middle of it all is food and fatness. You know what I mean? Because even being a crystal meth addict is a, in a big way is about being skinny and that feeling and which you don't get when you're fat, when you think you're fat or when you, you know, have these food issues. So, um, you know, that really the food is at the core of, of who I am. But, uh, you know, self-help groups, as I said, it's just like we all need to work on ourselves, you know what I mean? And whether that means having a therapist or going to a self-help group, it, it just really helps so much. And, and it's what, helped did you, me. what did you do? Like after rehab? I, after rehab, I went to AA mm-hmm. a lot. And, um, you know, the thing is, for me, an AA group and also... I've gone to gay groups. They're not necessarily for me. For me, I love a group of like housewives. No matter what, I like a group of housewives. And <laughs> the same way with Weight, Wa- Weight Watchers, you know, the people of Weight Watchers, the lesbian housewives of the West Village AA meetings, like those are my people. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I wish I could tell you it's the people at Indochine or it's the right. people in the at the Chanel Couture show. Like those are my people. And in a way, they're I, they're kind of my people. But it's really these, it's housewives. I mean, really in, the, in my soul, I'm a housewife. And that's not an insult. That's just a, no. a reality. And um, but so it just sort of made me able, in many ways, getting sober and going to to be objective about my life, to see things not as to see criticism as constructive and not as an insult, mm-hmm. and to see that you know I you're able to work through these situations. You know, if we do what we've always done, we'll get what we've always gotten. And another. An ex, you know, sort of a cliche expression of AA that to me is sort of my words to live by is we can only keep what we have by giving it away, which I love things that are seemingly backwards. Like, well, it's like if you're giving it away, how are you keeping it? And it's just like, you know, it's all about giving for me. And it's all about, you know, doing work to make the world a better place or to make yourself a better person. That to me is what nourishes my soul. And it's like, if that's nourished, everything else is... is so how do you moderate home. yourself now? How do you keep Mickey Boardman calm? Um, well, I try to do... You know, it's a balance, you know, because so much of our jobs, as critically important as they are to the universe and yes. the furtherment of mankind and womankind, you know, a lot of it, it's like, is Mariah Carey happy with the catering mm-hmm. is a crisis and, or, you know, right. and she was always happy with the catering, but you know, it's, 
in the big scheme of things, it's easy sometimes to think like that's not nourishing my soul. So right. then it's doing charity work or doing, you know, I work with this charity in India that builds schools, clinics, and women's centers, and I visit them. And just to go there and see like to, that something that you do that, and what I do is not, it's just what anybody could do on a certain level. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not physically building a school. I do cocktail parties or charity clothing sales with donated designer clothes. And the selling of the clothes actually gives me as much of a thrill as buying clothes. You know what I mean? That was a fascinating thing to learn was that like selling can give you as much of that. You know, you don't need to get more stuff because I don't want more stuff. I want to get rid of stuff at this point in my life. So, you know, so I do those things and they just make me such a happier person. And when you're happy and I hate to keep saying nourish your soul. I sound like super soul Sundays, but it really does. And that kind of makes me calmer right. and more. And I also. You're doing yoga now? I've done two weeks of yoga. Okay. And for my Instagram, it seems like I do okay. a lot more than I do. Okay. And how have but, you yeah, enjoyed it? I loved it. And, okay. you know, and the thing is, the amazing thing about it is that a friend of mine does these yoga intensives in India who is amazing. And so I've just gone and done two of those. And I've done a few classes in New York, but literally only a few. And the thing is, the thing about it is that I've loved about it, and it's the same uh, way I feel about exercises. I absolutely have no idea what I'm doing, and my fave—that's my favorite place to be. And even like when I went to Parsons, the fun thing about it was, I'd like never taken an art class really. I mean, and it was a fluke that I even got in. It was all just attitude and ideas. It wasn't at all. I had no skills, and so when you're in this place, it's all about surrender. You know what I mean? And just saying, look, I don't know what I'm doing and, you know, accepting I can look ridiculous or that's how you really learn. And that's in my case, that's been the case. And that's the thing about AA as well as you have to surrender, like you have to surrender to your addiction. And that's where the when the magic happens. So and nobody wants to surrender. Everyone wants to do it their way. No, I know better. Mm -hmm. No, I, you know what right. I mean? And I, I'm thrilled to say I have no clue what I'm talking about. In certain areas of my life, I'm an expert and I right. you know, will say that. But so that's the thing about yoga is I really knew nothing about it. And I'm freakishly limber in certain areas and I'm freakishly unlimber in other areas. So, and it, it's just been amazing. And I, there's something about the yoga culture and fitness that as a fat person, you're kind of brought up to believe like, oh, it's not for me. Or, Why don't those we stop saying you're a fat person? Because you're not a fat person. I am, but I, I, I fat's, not. I'm, fat's a ha not a bad word for me. Like it's not, right. you know what I mean? It's an empowering word on a certain level, but, mm -hmm. uh, but I will stop, so, so say it less. But, and it's funny because the more large people that I interview, like we, I always say, how do you like to describe yourself? And they're like fat. And everybody freaks out when you say you're fat. They're like, no, you're not, you're just a little chubby or, oh, you're not. And it's like, I'm not saying, tell me I'm not it's fat. It's the voice that like goes into your head. No, I hear you. Yeah. But, and again, but to me, it's the voice I mean, I don't of saying, like, saying I'm short. I am, but I don't say it. I hear I you. But at the it. same time, it's, I'm not, uh, it's not to, for me to shame right. myself. I'm yeah. not, you know, okay. but I hear you and I, yeah. I recognize you and I'll work yeah. on that. Okay. We'll, we'll work on it together. But um, Well, I'm a health coach now. I went back to school and got my degree. Oh, that's amazing. So as you're talking, I'm like, you need to at least if once a week, if you could afford it, if not once a month, have the doorbell ring and have have a yoga instructor come to your house. It's true. Like, I, I, do, I do that on Monday. And yeah. I am always like telling myself why I don't want to do it. And every time I'm done, I am so happy. That's the irony. And, you know, I wrote a post on Instagram the other day about with fitness. I remember always thinking, like people who would say like I feel so great after exercise and I think you're an asshole like nobody feels true, great and I'm there and I'm an asshole then yeah. if that if that person's yeah. an asshole I'm an asshole but I and it's so I have true to schedule myself like I have a, Me too. now I have a trainer I sign up for yeah. twelve weeks if I no, miss I'm it the, that's a hundred bucks I'm I'm out no I, I hear you that. I'm the same I'm the same because my mother has sometimes said well why can't you just get a gym membership and it's like if I am just on my own. Right. You'll just walk around I, and yeah. say, nah, you'll go out for coffee. And also, I weirdly like dismiss. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know what to do. And it's like, I actually do in a certain, certain level. I'm kind of always dismissing myself as not knowing what I'm doing. No, but we do so much in our work life. Sometimes yeah. it's nice to an expert yeah. come and say, let me handle this. Yeah, no, I agree. Let me handle this. Again, and I, yeah, I love to have, and I so much trust this person who I do yoga with in India, the person who's I'm doing training, who's my trainer now, I totally trust them. Okay. And so like, I'll just do what they say. And I like that. And so you do have a trainer here. I do. His right. name's Jacob Zian. Okay, and I'm uh, Zeban with a Z. And it's this EMS training. It's like so ridiculous. They zap you with electrodes. I mean, the whole thing, I can't, it's what either. What does EMS stand for? Electric, electric muscular, or my magnetic something. I'm not even sure. I just say like they zap you with electrodes. All right. And, and how often do you go to Weight Watchers? 
once a week. Once a week. And I love it. And I was just in San Francisco over the weekend and I went there, which is, it's interesting to in other, to go in places other than New York and see how they are, they differ. But yeah, I love the meetings, the Weight Watcher meetings for me are heaven because it's just, it's there, as I said, they're my people and we just get each other. You know what I mean? If you, the, if someone who hasn't eaten an entire family size bag of peanut M&Ms in one sitting doesn't completely understand when I talk about it, or maybe, you know, oh, we can I, all understand. Right. Oh, no, no, the, I've, yeah. I've gotten like seething stares when I've tried yeah. to go. It's like, really, what are you doing here? Yeah. You yeah. Know? I'm like, you know what? My five or seven pounds bothers me as much yeah. as your 30 pounds. No, it's true. And Sorry. the irony is there aren't, I don't see that many fat people at Weight Watchers. Yeah. I mean, because it's a lot of the people have either have reached their goal or, yeah, it's like it's people who need to lose 10 pounds. or And, you know, Kate Hudson, who's an ambassador for Weight Watchers, got a lot of shit because people were saying, Kate Hudson, oh, like a movie star. And she had had a baby and she had, yeah. you know, I think 25 pounds to lose right. or something like that. And that's just as valid as someone who has 100 pounds to lose, you know. What else, Mickey, do you want to do with your life? Because you've done so much. I've done it all. Um, and, and you're only half done. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I want to travel more because I do love to travel, but I already do that. I'm working on a book, a fat and all that book, and then I'm do this other book about is that the this title? kind of stuff. Yeah, that's because that's my column, title. isn't it? Fat and all, I love it. Yeah. Me too. I know you don't like when I say I'm fat, but <laughs> but this is a double entendre fat, right? But then when you're done with the book, you could let go of the word and you yeah, can find maybe a that's one. true. That's yes. true. And I'd love to do. I'm working on some TV related things and some royal projects because those are. I kind of just want to do things, and I'm luckily in a place where. Because paper was bought and I've kind of been pivoted this way. And again, it was Drew, our editor-in-chief, who suggested I write about body positivity and, and weight issues. You know, that I'm able to do these things that really mean something to me. And, you know, writing about my issues with weight is fills me in a way that writing about Vanessa Paradis never could. Even though I love Vanessa Paradis and Rupert Everett and all that stuff. So it's just kind of doing stuff that's more... Um, something that I really care deeply about and really, I hate the word, but I'm passionate about body positivity. No, but I, you know, I've, that I feel really, that I feel really right. committed to. Yeah. So I just want to do more of that and more of the same. And right. yeah. And I think, I mean, honestly, if you change your mind to like fat thin and make it more healthy. Yeah. No, totally. The reason I went back to WW this time was I was, I often take the an orange train, an F, M, W, or B and D. And, you know, it's an extra floor down. And, like, walking up those steps was a bitch. You know, because I, at one point, I now weigh, I weigh, like, 209 right now. And I, at one point, was 259. So, like, it's okay. 550. Yeah. Although, this time, I've lost 40 pounds. I'd been up and down, whatever. Wow. But the point being, like, I, by the time I got to the top of the stairs, I was exhausted. And I remember getting off the train and being like, where's the elevator? Kind of like, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, if I'm going to start taking the elevator from the subway, it's all over. And my parents, my mother seven, just turned 70 three and my father is 78 and my mother has they both smoked like crazy when I was young they quit 30 years ago but my mother has emphysema and she has breathing issues and so it's sort of it also makes me think like gosh you, you know, know, I, like you know. so anyway that's why I went back I was like look I and I don't honestly I don't if the weight loss stopped tomorrow it's fine if the I could now walk up the stairs and feel happy. And I, you know, I would now do the stairs wherever I go. I would try not to take the escalator. I always try to take the stairs. So that's good. So, I mean, I do have that attitude. And, um, but it's not, you know, it's, but I, you know, after 50 years of, it's all about the number and right. the lower is yeah. better. And, oh my God, I look like a drug addict, but I'm skinny, you know? So it's, those voices creep in sometimes, but I know how to neutralize them right. with a high fiber no, filling snack. Right. You're doing amazing. Mm -hmm. So if you could tell the people that are listening mm -hmm. one thing that they could do. Yeah. And because you're so multifaceted, I'm going to ask you two different topics, but tell them one thing. Yeah. One thing they could do to break into the editorial fashion mm -hmm. amazing world and one thing they could do to change their body mm -hmm. positivity. Well, one thing I would say is – Really, you have to kind of figure out what it is that's your dream situation or your dream place to be. Is it makeup? Is it show business? Is it magazines? And just get in there somehow. I mean, and whether that's very often it means being an intern. I was an intern and it's the best thing I ever did. There, We can have a five-hour discussion about internships and are they right? Are they wrong? People don't get paid. Do that, you know. And I have strong opinions about that, but being an intern was the best thing I've ever done. And it's like a six month blind date. Like you really, 
can show because often the people who at first when the new interns come i'll think oh that person's going to be great and they are a dud or that person's not going to be good and they really come through and that's where you know the someone who comes through who's there when they're supposed to be who helps mm -hmm. get the job done who's not a pain in the ass who's not trying to talk to the celebrities like that's amazing and that's when we're hiring people mm -hmm. that's the first right. place we look okay so, so to me one, it's again whatever it takes to be an intern or just get your get foot in, in the get in there somehow yeah, yeah. and um in terms of your body, you know, everything your mother ever told you is true and nobody believes it until they're 50. You know what I mean? As I said with the thing about how I thought my life was ruined by my weight and I wasn't even fat, if I could teach people or if I could help people realize that nobody cares except you, and maybe your mother cares if you're gay or you're fat, but um, <laughs> really they don't care. Mm -hmm. And just to like let that go, it just makes your life so much easier because you just have to, because that way you're reacting from what's right, what feels right for you as opposed to what are these people going to think? Because right. you can never know what these people are going to think. And meanwhile, who gives a shit what these mm -hmm. people think? Because they're not living your life, you are. So it's uh, to be able to some way release that and not care about what other people people think because mm. it, you know and it's but it, i don't know if that can we do it bobby i don't know if we can teach people to do that sure. until i think i feel like so many people i know who are accepting of who they are in terms of their weight and their bodies hit a wall like they just spent a lifetime of like hating themselves for being fat and then they couldn't do it anymore but you don't know so, what what is going to change someone it could be yeah. something oprah says or someone yeah. mickey boardman says yeah. so and where could people that are listening follow you where could they find you um on Instagram and Twitter, Ask Mr. Mickey, A S K M R M I C K E Y. That's the name of a column I used to do a fashion advice column. And, um, you know, or just around hanging out around Hudson Yards, coming to see you. Are we allowed to say our location? Yes, it's not live. So we're not going to have people like out there <laughs> trying to kidnap us. Um, and your column in Paper Magazine is Fat and All That, mm -hmm. which is about body positivity. And then, um, yeah. And look for all kinds of other fun activities. Well, you are fascinating. And well, thank really you. So are you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. No, thank I'm. You. I'm like a bore next to you. But, Hardly. Uh, it's yeah. a tie. We're in a tie for okay. first place for most fascinating person sitting in front of a microphone right now. Oh, yes. Right. All right. Thanks, Mickey. <laughs> that was my conversation with Mickey. I am so proud of him. So happy that he's in such a great place. And I look forward to getting to know him more and really seeing what he's going to do next. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at justbobbybrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.